Shalom. Welcome again to Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. We welcome you. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, please feel free to email me with suggestions or comments to Rabbi Address at JewishSacredAging.com. Welcome to Secrets of Meaning. And before we begin with our guest today, Rabbi Brian Kinsbrenner, to discuss something very, very exciting and brand new on the, I, I think, on the Jewish scene. I want to remind you that if any of you out there have a manuscript or a book in preparation and, and, have look, and are looking uh, for a publisher, somebody to guide you through this entire process, let me suggest and recommend to you our sponsor for today, bookbaby.com. Bookbaby.com. Bookbaby provides all the creative services like editing and design and formatting and printing. And mostly they help writers become authors by managing the production, distribution, and payment processing for independent authors. That's the last part is really, really important. If you'd like to contact Book Baby and get some more information about how to bring your idea, your manuscript to life, please call them at 877-961-6878. That number again is 877 877- Nine six one six eight seven eight, or go to their website www.bookbaby.com. That's www.bookbaby.com. And today we welcome to the podcast TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging for our Secrets of Meaning podcast, Rabbi Brian Kinsbrunner, a fellow New Jersey and just up the turnpike. Uh, the director and founder of New Beginnings Spiritual Coaching and Consulting, which is a lot to get on the T-shirt. <laughs> Brian Baruch Haba, nice to see you. How are I'm you? I'm good, Richard. Uh, it's wonderful to be back on your show. Uh, this time on location in my house slash office slash sacred space. Where everybody else is. <laughs> right, right, well, right, I think right. a lot of people aren't, but then again, it's an interesting time for that as well. Um, it's funny you say that the title is very long for the t-shirt, because if you look at my logo for this organization that I've started, it actually takes up about half the, the circle of the imagery that I have. Um, probably should have spoken to a business consultant beforehand to shorten it a little, but sometimes it's about getting a message across. Um, so I'm very glad to be here. What's, let's get right to this. What, what's the website in case, because we're going to be talking a lot about your coaching and consulting issue. And there may be some people out there who really want to contact you because a lot of this is virtual. Um, so what's the website? So my website is a chaplain's new journey dot wordpress.com. Um, the website actually started more as a blog than as the website for the organization. It was about, it was my fourth attempt at blogging. I've been an on and off writer for many years, not to get into too much on that, but, um, a, sometime last summer in the summer of 2021, I decided I needed a fresh start writing. And instead of going back to the blog that existed, um, beforehand that I'd been using on and off, I said, let's start again. Let's start that new beginning, if you will. Um, and so I called it the new journey, as a, uh, you know, Chaplin's new journey. So people can find out um, about what I offer there. They can also read my latest blog posts. I usually post a couple times a week, hopefully more, depending upon what the muse tells me to write that day. Um, 
or what the spirit tells me to write. But um, please, you know, take a look. I'm also partnered. You'll see there. I'm also partnered with an aromatherapist. Um, I have a few other partners, so you can see a variety of uh, different ideas that I've been espousing really over the past year plus. I'm almost up to post number 100, I have to say. So I'm very excited um, that it's been going well. So let's talk about the why and the the what of this uh, project that you, it really is a transition for your own professional life because your career as a chaplain, distinguished career as a chaplain, um, both nationally and, and regionally. What, what was, what was it? What, what and why did you start uh, New Beginning Spiritual Coaching and Consulting? So for me, I've been thinking for the past few years about, you know, I've been in senior care for 15 years, hospice care for 15 years, um, and or I had been up until about a year ago. And over the past couple of years, actually before COVID, if I really were to look back and within that COVID period, I was sort of looking at the landscape a little bit for myself personally, um, as well as the profession of chaplaincy. And I began to say really internally, say to myself, you know, look, I'm doing great work. I feel there's more I can offer. Um, I think we all go through that at periods of life, sort of looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and saying, I'm doing good and. And so I began to feel that way as well and realized at some point that my energies were starting to shift into how do I provide spiritual care beyond the smaller walls of a healthcare institution? Uh, whether, you know, and for many years I was at one, uh, this Wolf Campus for Senior Living in Somerset, New Jersey. Um, and I f- began to feel like I needed more. Uh, I needed a change. And I looked at the landscape in healthcare and in chaplaincy, specifically in the healthcare world. And I began to say to myself, there's got to be more options than an institution or community chaplaincy. Um, for that matter, something outside those walls, something more in the lines of, if you will, a counseling practice or uh, a therapy practice. Um, and so I began to kind of, I began to look and to think and to explore for myself, what would that look like? Um, and ultimately, I came to this place where I said, it's time to expand my horizons. It's time to open that door, not just for me, but for chaplaincy as a whole. I mean, I don't want to put too much on my own shoulders. Look, we've got pastoral counselors, right. we've got spiritual directors, we've got the chaplains who've been social workers or social workers who become chaplains. We've got the ministers who do chaplaincy and the chaplains who do ministry. You know, you go through that whole list. But I said, well, chaplaincy is a skill set that we are certified in that provides us the opportunity not just to be within um, working for others, but also for working for ourselves. So let me go out there and do that. Let me go out there and speak to a world that uses terms like coaching, but with a, a mode of there's a spirituality that's behind it. Because in essence, what I'm really opening the door for is for people to explore issues of meaning, issues of hope, right? the challenges that come about through transitional periods in their life, which I will, I can expand on a little bit more, but all transitions require a 
an investigation of self as to where I was, where I want to be, and how do I get there? That's a very spiritual thing, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I, and, and no, I, and I like to explore that a little with you because so many people in um, in in, in the Jewish sacred aging community are experiencing a variety of different transitions, not only career transitions and familial transitions, but body trend. You know, I, uh, my body is changing. Um, uh, my family is changing. I'm changing. What was I, you know, I medical things there. So this, this concept transition and we're, and we're just, look, we're, this is, um, Beginning of October, we've just come out of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, uh, Sukkot. This whole, we're in the uh, uh, the process of creating Sukkot. That the whole season here, there's a f- there are themes of transitions here. So talk to me a, a little bit about how you see how you see what you're doing, aiding and uh, helping and supporting people who go through the variety of transitions, and not specifically as you alluded to. Uh, life, you know, mourning transition that because there are all kinds of losses in transition. So I'll give you an example. And really, it's my own personal example from my own life. Um, and granted, I'm a, in that aging sort of spectrum. I'm in that middle age place. Um, right, right. But right. when I was looking at my own journey, look, I've been very fortunate. I've been in a field for my entire career that has allowed me to grow and to explore. And to reach a place of leadership, um, and to become somebody who's very attuned to himself and attuned to others. And I also said, well, do I want to do this my entire life or is there more that I can do? But that required an ending. That required a transition. That's not an easy thing. That required me to sit down and say, well, do I still want to be doing X? Is this where my focus is? Is it working for me? And do I want to wake up 20 years later saying, well, why didn't I take a chance? I'm a risk averse, I'm a risk averse person in general. And when people hear me say that now, they're like, what do you mean you're a risk averse person? You left a career to create something. That's risk. Um, but I looked at it and said, well, how many of us in life turn around one day and say, well, why didn't we try that thing that we were interested in? Or why didn't we take it a mm, slightly different route? The what if question. And, you know, as you point out, look, we're a few days, we're a few days after Yom Kippur. We're right before Sukkot. We've spent this period of time reflecting on how do we want the next year to be with hope, right? And we know that there's no guarantees, but we have a hope. We have a hope that the year is going to be good, that we're going to be written for this good year. We have that hope that everything's worked out. How do we now take that hope and integrate it into our lives? And so I, over this year, I've worked with people who are trying to transition from, well, someone in my family died, something happened, to what do I do with life now? Um, the first person I worked with in this world, uh, is somebody whose spouse passed away. And our first visit was, well, my whole life was revolved around my family. Where are my hobbies? Where are my interests? What do I want to do now? How do I see the next steps? I'm a, a relatively young guy. And 
how do I see the next 20, 30, 40 years, you know, hopefully those many years of health? And how do I see those in my life? What do I do to make life meaningful to me? And we've worked for months on grief and loss and those other transition points of who am I now? Um, that's what I did for myself. And that's what I'm bringing to others. And if we get back to the core and whittle down to the essence of spirituality, you know, there is that discussion of what is the meaning that I, why am I here and what am I supposed to be doing throughout my life? And so every time we have a period of questioning that, whether it's the high holiday season, whether it's a change in our lives, whether it's in death of a loved one, or whether it's um, a big communal transition or social societal transition, you know, we've all been living that the last two years. Um, in essence, right, what do right. I want to do? Who do I want to be? Who am I supposed to be? Am I the person that I really was meant to be? Of course, we could get into the question of the I, you know, that, that, that self and I, and we can get into the deep subject of should there, we be focusing on self. But I think that that has to happen regardless. And that is the spirituality of self, right? The spirituality of what is my role here? Brian, do you, do, you, do you think people are afraid in, in a, on a very, very neshama level, gut level? Do you think they're afraid to talk about that this type of transition and the spiritual quotient or spiritual aspect of one's own transition? I think very much so. I think that people are not trained to know what they want to say, even though they know what they want to say. Um, I've said this to many people, and I discovered this in myself. You know, there's that famous um, idea that it's okay to say, I don't know, right? There's this Rashi, I forget where the Rashi is in, in, in Humash, where he actually responds to the question of, I don't know what this means. Like, I just, just says, I don't know. And so we learn these lessons about it. it's important to be able to recognize, I don't know. I've taken it to another step. I actually am not convinced that that phrase, I don't know, literally means we don't actually know something. I think we often do know, and we're afraid to put those things into words. And I think that the fear of people exploring their neshama is not that they don't know, but what's the word I want to use? And if I use the wrong word, is that person on the other side going to question me? So we, I, I know you've probably talked about this in the work you've done, and I've talked about this a lot. Is sometimes we're afraid to speak to those closest to us because we're afraid that they'll judge us in that moment because they're afraid that our question or the heretical i'll even go that far right that 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 why question or that struggle or that challenge or you know i'm not 100 percent convinced they are afraid we are afraid i know i was afraid to sometimes say those things because we actually do know what we want to say we don't have an answer but we know what struggle the struggle is inside of ourselves and so what i hope to do with people is give them that space that's what chaplaincy taught me, but I want to take it further because sometimes the chaplain experience is a 15, 20, 30 minute one time you see this person, you're working with them. I want you to know you, I want to build off of that. Not just to raise the question, but build off the question. It's similar, I guess you could say it's similar to pastoral counseling, but that right. gets oh, into yeah. like, you know, the questions of education, certifications, licensures, and, but we have, a lot of the same training and we have the life experiences that can bring us to that place. And so 
the model is that I come out there and I give you the opportunity to explore. Now, for those that are, and I've said this um, on my website, this is not in lieu of other mental health. This is another avenue because every exploration has its own language, process, theory, testing, right. scales, and models. This is conversation. So walk me through, walk me through uh, somebody will hear this or somebody will feel the need to, I, I need to address some of these very powerful personal spiritual questions. Here's a coach, here's somebody who I can work with, not on a one-shot deal, like like you said, but over a series of weeks or months or whatever, whatever. I go to your website, I call you, I get in touch with you. What's going to happen? Walk me through that process. So we're going to meet initially and we're going to just chat about, I mean, we're going to chat. I want to make it very like no, no frills. There's no, there's no major, you know, um, novelty here. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about your background, mm-hmm. your spiritual background, your religious background, your familial background. Who's closest to you? We're going to get a sense of that person. And what are you looking for? You know, I'll tell you a recent one. I, I post, I, I was talking to somebody a few weeks back. I was talking to a group of people a few weeks back and, um, I had said something about trying to figure out who am I? And I had just written about, I think I had just written a blog post or later that day wrote the blog post with like a list of things of who I am, uh, which was its own interesting exploration as well. But that got somebody to say, Hey, I want to talk to him because I want to try to, I'm trying to figure out who am I? I've got all these things going on in my life. I've had some transitional points that we uncovered over the course of the first couple sessions together. And I have this goal of exploring that picture of who I would like to be at this juncture. And so that first visit is going to be like, let's get the def- let's get the, the relationship going and let's figure out what do we want to do? But of course, as we know from any sort of care, support, any sort of counseling, any sort of therapy, what we define as the goals in session one are going to change over time. And the conversation is going to change. But if we lay out the, we're going to lay out the initial groundwork and then walk forward. So if if it's somebody dealing with grief and loss, we're going to start with there. What are the challenges you're facing here? What do you, what does your life look like now? What is you know, where are the struggles? Tell me the story of what happened. What are you seeing there? Um, and often that's going to lead to, well, who am I now? Again, that who am I now? Um, right. Again, distinguishing from the conversations about somebody who's got prolonged grief disorder, if that's, you know, whether that's a thing or not, or somebody's dealing with acute grief symptom issues or, but it's, what's the conversation about? How do I want to see myself? I saw myself X and how do I see myself Y? I lost the job or I want to get out of a job. What do I really want to do? Who was I in that job? Did I define my life by it? So that'll be the groundwork. And session by session, we'll begin to explore. We'll explore the spiritual issues. We'll explore some of the social issues, the family, again, family issues. We'll go back in the past a little bit. We will explore like what got you there? What were those trigger points for you? What were those drivers for you? Um, 
and we'll build off of it. Where, where is, where, where would the God quote God talk be in? It this? really would and, depend on the and person. Well, so it's good. And, and how, how do you do when that person says, well, look, you know, uh, Brian, I, I don't believe in any God, but I know I'm very spiritual, whatever the heck that means. What I'm sure well, that's come up. Question number one is tell me what that means for you. Right. Again, what yeah. does it mean when you say you're spiritual? Right. Especially today. Right. We, I was just having this debate yesterday again. And, um, the, the new generation of all those who are spiritual, but not religious. What does that even mean? I'm not sure the questions are even being asked properly, to be honest. I think that a lot of people don't want to peg themselves in a box, but they really remain in that box. They just don't want to define themselves by that box. So I'm not so sure, but, but leaving that, being that as it may, what does it mean to be spiritual? What does that term mean? Or I was working with somebody who's, who's, um, again, exploring elements of who they are. And they say, well, I am X. Okay. And so I said, okay, what does that mean to you? So, Give me a list. Let's go through a list. List it out. So they gave me like six, seven different things. And then we started going, okay, what does that mean? What does that word mean? What is that? And so we get deeper and we get deeper and we get. And so coming back to the spiritual and the God talk, I don't need to use the word God. Again, that's, that's a word. You know, we're not getting into a concept. We're not getting into our religion and our spirituality for a moment, but let's be real. God is a word. Um, you know, we have, I mean, how many different, what is, it? I don't even know. There's like numerous words that we use to define God that have different, defi- you know, that the Bible right. and the Talmud and Kabbalah and Jewish history and Jewish philosophy, all these different words for God, which is the English equivalent of what we've described. Well, which one fits? None of those have to fit. Um, and so we can start from that place because I don't, need you to believe in God to believe in the idea that there's a meaning to your life. I think that most people, regardless of their spiritual beliefs in that broader, you know, again, divine God right. talk, are looking for life meaning, life hope. Why am I why am I feeling this pain? What's this pain about? What can I do with it? You know, a great example that comes to mind is the the people who Go through who have a tragic loss, and ultimately, what do they do? They start a foundation. They start a charity. It doesn't replace. It doesn't take away, but it redirects that sense of saying, "Well, I don't want others to go through, so I'm going to create this in that person's memory," because to me, that's going to that may relieve the suffering, that may relieve some of the elements of pain. That's going to redirect the emotions I have into something positive. Are you sensing, are you sensing in the people that you're dealing with and granted they're coming to you for a specific reason? Uh, and usually triggered by some either internal or external cause. But as you work with them, do they verbalize or acknowledge this? I'll call it spiritual hunger. Some of them. Um, that, yeah. Sorry, go on. Go ahead. Go ahead some of them too. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I, I, it's like, I love That's the word. Point. I love the word spiritual hunger. I, I'm not even sure I've thought it through fully, but the answer is yes. I just, again, I think they don't have the words for it. You know, I go back to a few people that I have, a few of the people I've worked with where spirituality was not on their tongue. I have a gentleman who's um, disabled 
Um, and we'll leave, you know, that's the identifier that I'll give in this situation. He's got a disability. Okay. Um, I hope that's the right word today. I'm never, I'm still not always using the correct words, but he's got a disability. Uh, wait a day. It'll be and he's bed bound. Um, and we meet, we meet regularly. Uh, a lot of the conversations are really about who he was, you know, telling me stories about his job and his life and his family. And, and then one visit, you keep using this word spirituality. What's going on there? What's that word mean? Right. And he has a visit from a clergy person in his community. He has other people around him. He's not the, he would never define himself as a spiritual person. And yet he wants to know that's a hunger. Because there's something mm-hmm. deep in there. We, and we explored that a little bit and we, you know, we've worked through that, but it's not even, it, it's, it's a hunger for something missing. And I right. think people are, again, they don't know that word, but they know it's there. I know it's there. Yeah. You know it's there. And we may even have the words, but we know it's there. And so do, and so do most. Um, what do I want next? And how do I want to fill that? Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the things that that has intrigued me in all the work that we're doing, and you see, and you're reflecting it, is 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 the words. We we, we really may need to invent a new vocabulary for a lot of this um, that that you're dealing with because, and, and partly because of longevity. I mean, things things are happening to people now; they're living longer. Um, and experiencing things that generations ago they may not have experienced in the same way, but e- but I'm finding a lot of times we just don't have the you know we may have to invent new words or new vocabulary for some of this stuff. So I actually would disagree with you a little bit. I'm not sure we have to invent. Okay, I'm not sure we have to invent. I lo- I like it. I I agree with the idea that there's things missing, but I'm not sure we have to invent it. I think we have to give permission for it. You know, okay, at, okay. What do you mean by that? So, as I'm saying that, I'm reflecting on something from CPE um, that my Jewish chaplain colleagues will, I think, many of them will appreciate. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, I want to. It was, I think, Bonita Taylor wrote an article about this. Uh, who's she's one of the original, you know, early gurus of Jewish CPE super. She was one of the early Jewish CPE supervisors of my of this generation, anyways. And she wrote the article about, you know, spontaneous prayer. I believe that, uh, okay. I, I don't remember which book it was in. And for the longest time, one of the challenges that many of our Jewish chaplains apparently faced was we don't live in a world of spontaneous prayer. We live in a much more liturgical world. And I think even, regardless of one's denomination, I think there's always been this sort of, um, pull to what's already there versus what we write, even if we're writing it. And that's the key point is that it was nothing novel. Spontaneous prayer is actually not a novel concept. Um, we have a whole history of it. In fact, again, coming out of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, our prayer book is full of that um, through the high holidays. But we don't realize it's, it's, it's that because we think it's something that's sacred and sacrosanct and it's been there for centuries. Some of it has, some of it hasn't. Okay, fine. But it was redefining a word that we already knew. So if you're a, a person who reads Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, you know that he talks about he bodedud in personal prayer. If you're a reader of, again, if you're somebody who pays attention to the prayer book week in and week out, you see that there's a lot of personal prayer that's become communal prayer. Okay. Um, the language was there. 
it was taking what we had and then being able to say, no, you're, you're on, you're spot on. So using spontaneous prayer, it's conversation as an example. I think the same thing here is that when it comes to spirituality in today's world, I don't think we're missing language. I think we're missing the ability to realize that the door is open for us to say what we need to say. We know the words. And, we just and you're working. I'm, I'm going go ahead. ahead. Go no, ahead. please. Because you just I, and you're working with your your people that you're coaching and consult. Do you have you prayed with them? Um, not directly. Not in that directly mm-hmm. hand-holding prayer version like we would often do in chaplaincy, but I think in the language that we're using, right, the hope language, the, the, the prayer is there. Um, but again, it's a matter of also the permissions. You know, people don't realize that the permissions are there to ask for that also. I think it's a combination. And I think this is always my cha- – honestly, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there for all of my chaplains, colleagues to hear and everybody to hear, this has always been my challenge as a chaplain is, did the per- is the person in that sacred space giving you the permission for prayer or not? Um, and I think that that's something that we don't we 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 presume or we don't presume, and we use our own assumptions in that mode moment. Um, but I think that prayer is in the conversation. I think prayer is in the presence. Uh, I've always believed that. I believe it's a tool, um, and not the only tool. Uh, I have a very expansive idea of that in general. Um, and it's been a struggle. I don't want to deny that it's been a struggle for me. Uh, uh, the personal prayer, the spontaneous prayer, the idea of praying, uh, you know, I, I, I go back to that always, but I think that for the people that I serve and I'm working with right now, it's built in, it's in the process. And it's, it, it sometimes maybe it needs to be a little bit more, more overt. And again, that's the door opening. Um, right. But it's in the hope, it's in the language, and it's in the thought as well. But going back to the other point is, I think that what I'm finding in my work with people and reading and in thinking is, we do have this language. We know these words. We just, as any good, as anybody has, who's ever gone through therapy's experience or anybody who's been in a counseling or in coaching has experienced, it's not that you don't have them, it's having the space to acknowledge them. And so that's what I want to open the door for. Ultimately, that's what I have been opening the door for is that people have the opportunity to explore that, what they already know, what's built inside their soul, um, what's they've been nurtured to have, what's in their nature, whatever language you want to use. Um, and to use the language that they're comfortable with, because I think ultimately people are afraid to use what they know, you know, curse a little bit, scream a little bit, whatever it is. It's there. I think the uh, your idea of giving permission is is really in many ways liberating uh, and, and liberating to people and in a whole variety of ways. And before we before we start running out of time, I just uh, real fast, Brian. Somebody wants to get in touch with you. What's the best way? Um. So I would again direct you to my website. Uh, you go to the about page. It has the email address and phone number. So the website is a chaplainsnewjourney.wordpress.com. Uh, if you want to email me, it's another long one. Sorry, again, I should have consulted beforehand. But um, the email address is newbeginningsspiritualcoach at gmail.com. 
Uh, you can also find say it again. Sorry, it again, one more time. Again. New beginnings spiritual yeah. coach at gmail.com. I have a my a business page on Facebook, New Beginnings Spiritual Coaching Consulting. Uh business page on LinkedIn. So all the my phone number is there, the email is there. Uh I I'm a social media junkie, which is a bad thing to say because I think I spend too much right. time there, but you can message me on any of those platforms uh through Facebook, through LinkedIn. Uh, I have my personal Twitter account. You can message me through that if people are doing that. I don't know what people use today, the younger kids. I'm already feeling old when I say that, but I don't know. Um, I keep being told that people under, you know, in 18, 20 in college don't really use Facebook. So I may be past my time. I don't know, which is scary. Um, again, transitions, you know, it's starting to wake up and realize that I'm not the tech expert that I thought I was, um, either. Uh, but those are my confessions for the day. Anyways, I digress. No, no, thank you very much. And I'll be right back to you. But before we leave, I just want to remind all of you who are perhaps have that manuscript in your drawer or working on the book and you don't know where to go with it. Um, and you're contemplating publishing or self-publishing and a reminder from our sponsor, Book Baby, that self-publishing is not a one size fits all situation. Uh, you have your own set of goals. Uh, so reaching them requires a unique set of tools and support. And Book Baby's custom packages make it easy to decide what your book needs and provide it on all in one in a convenient location in a convenient order. They've helped thousands of authors publish successfully, and they're going to be by your side throughout the entire process. And again, if you want to contact them uh, and explore the publishing of your own book, their number is 877 877- Nine six one six eight seven eight. That's eight seven seven nine six one six eight seven eight. Or you can visit them at www.bookbaby.com. That's www.bookbaby.com. Uh, Rabbi Brian Kinsbrunner, the director and founder of New Beginnings Spiritual Coaching and Consulting. Nice, easy last question before we have to run. You alluded to this. We've lived through a social trauma now in the last couple of years. And I, I personally think we still haven't even dealt with the trauma of 9-11. And, so, so and, and coming out of this, how, how do you as a chaplain, as a spiritual coach, as someone who's devoting his life to really finding a pathway in these transitions, um, if somebody's looking and, and is really out there listening to this or watching this and may be troubled, what advice would you give them? Ooh, um, so I, that's a great question. Um, I think if I were to whittle it down to a couple of things, first and foremost is don't be afraid to seek help. Um, I think that too often we're not sure where the help should come from and we therefore don't seek it. I do. And and I think that help can come in many forms. And I want to be very clear on that. Each of us needs something and there's the right person for that something. I'm not sure what that something is. Depends on who it is. Right. Um, But don't be afraid to seek the help if you need it. The challenge of course, is that as those who are, again, social media people who read the papers and so on, 
as with every other profession, there's more need than there's professional. Um, and so there are different avenues to go. Um, and there, you know, financial avenues that become a challenge and all, but first and foremost, seek help. Second of all, know that you're not alone. I think I know, I shouldn't say I think I know because I've, again, these are experiences I've felt myself. There are times when you feel like you're on an island. You're the only one with that emotion. That's the value of a support group. I've ever been running bereavement groups for years. That's the value of a bereavement group more than anything else is you are not alone. And, you know, Richard, you, you, you said something just now, which was fascinating, which of course would take another three hours to unpack is I'm not sure we've gotten over what it means to have a 9-11, let alone the last two no. years of COVID. Um, and by COVID, again, that means just the trauma of social upheaval. Forget all the illness and the death. And, but it's the social right. upheaval of our, all of our lives got turned upside down in some way, shape or form from the CEOs to the people who had to go to work every day in the midst of the worst parts of this uh, virus at the very beginning when, you know, we didn't even fully know what we were, how to deal with. There was social upheaval and leaving, you know, again, all the other pieces aside and the analysis of that, but we're only beginning to pick our heads up. So we, we need to realize that. So again, Seek help. You're not alone. And go back to those internal tools that you already have because you have a lot in your own basket. Everybody has something. They have a fortitude, a strength, again, a spirituality, a belief. I don't care what the words are. I don't care the terms. I don't care the concepts. But we have built-in mechanisms. If you don't know how to bring those to the fore and how to use them again that's where you seek help that person on the other side of that table that person in the chair that person who's your coach your therapist can help bring those things out that you already have and just a plug for my blog post if you look at every blog post at uh at least the last i don't know 60 of them i didn't do this right away because i didn't fully grasp the whole concept but every most posts end with a quick, if you're looking for help, if you're on a journey, if you're this, reach out to me. But each one has like a little, it's a little like four or five word message there because you're already on a path. You're reading something. You have a tool. You need that next step to make that tool functional. That's where someone can help myself, someone else, whomever. Um, and, the, and finally, we have virtual support that we haven't had before. So you don't have to be afraid. I can't get to somebody. That somebody can can just send you a link and show up at your door. So don't be afraid of that either. Brian, Rabbi Brian Kinsbrunner, the fit director and founder of New Beginnings Spiritual Coaching and Consulting. Thank you very, very much, Brian. Stay safe, stay healthy. Chag Sameach Sukkot, and just uh, be well. And I appreciate. Good luck. Good luck with the. Good luck with this enterprise. Very, very much needed. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. To all of you, uh, I want to thank you again for joining us on today's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Um, if you'd like to make a donation, a tax-free donation to help support us, go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, and look for the conveniently located Donate button. And again, our thanks to our sponsor, bookbaby.com. Uh, please feel free to just check them out at bookbaby.com. 
They'll help you publish your own manuscript, that book that you wanted to do. A reminder uh, that if you'd like to become a sponsor and of, of uh, Secrets of Meaning, just email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. Seekers of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubeckin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And again, a shout out to our genius producer, Steve Lubetkin. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address, and I look forward to greeting you on our next Seekers of Meaning TV show and podcast. In the meantime, stay safe, have a wonderful Sukkot, be kind, Shalom.